the word I'm going to share is going to speak into hearts today. There's going to be things that I know he's going to break open because this word is hard for all of us. But I, I want to trust and ask each one of you that open your hearts just to hear this word today. May it challenge you in those spaces and in those, those hard places within our hearts where we all are carrying a hurt, where we today, even today we've been hurt, where we know that this afternoon we most probably will be hurt again. Or tomorrow morning when we walk into that office, or when that family member says that again to us. But we can only do this through this cross and what Jesus has done for us. So allow me to first, by, by reading the word that I've prepared specifically as my focus. You know the chapter, you know the verses, but allow me to read it, and then we're going to explore this, this topic in detail. It's from Matthew chapter 5, it's from verses 38 to 48. Jesus says... You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them and the other cheek also. And if anyone wants, you, wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go the one mile, go with them the two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it is said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your, heavenly, of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. He sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you, love those, if, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, you not even, not, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your, your, your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not, envy, do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Oh, what a word. Friends, I want you to think. The disciples hear Jesus proclaim this. They must have been overwhelmed because they did not have the cross as a reference. They must have thought, this is impossible for us to do that. They did not have the cross of Jesus as death, his burial, and his resurrection, to even think of how to actually approach what Jesus is telling them to do. It must have seemed completely bonkers. And this is the truth. The world hears this famous passage, and they think, this is not right. It cannot be right, for if I'm taking someone to court over something that he's done that I know is, is not right, that I must actually let him get that, but I must just throw my car in as well. It just doesn't make sense in the worldly eyes. It just doesn't make sense. It's not right if you ask someone that is out there in the world. But I needed to focus it more the lens. Just turn that lens a bit closer to you and me, to all of us that, that love the Lord, 
that know the Lord as our personal Savior, and that are hurting, and that continue to be hurt. Jesus is saying to you and me, you need to turn the other cheek. He's saying to me, don't take that guy to court. Know you're right, don't take him to court. Bless him. Father. And here's the statement I want to just start with. It's only when we see these words through the cross that it really makes any sense. Let me explain. You see, Jesus became the great guilt guilt offering that took away the sin of every human being. He bore the sin and the punishment for us. Our wounds became his wounds. His death became our death. On that cross, he shed his blood for us to be redeemed. That means we are set free. That means we are bought. Through his blood, it is all possible. Listen to how Peter describes this in this one sentence as he writes to the church. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He says, He himself bore our sin, his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. This verse that you see there, there's God doing something, and there's a verb, and there's what happens to us, and what we are called to do. It says that he bore our sins on that cross, and I want you to focus on these words. And, li- and lived for. Two things that happened. We are to live that our, that our sins, we are dead to sin. We are dead to our sin. And we are to live for righteousness. What does that mean for you and me? Jesus is righteous. He is the righteous one. We have to live for Jesus. But when Jesus looks at us, he only sees the robe of righteousness found in, in Isaiah 51 verse 10. He says he, he, he puts on a garment of righteousness around us. What he sees is Jesus' righteousness when, when he looks at us. We have to live for Jesus and live like Jesus because of what he has done. In one sentence, Peter just summarizes everything I'd have put into that little paragraph. But there's so much more that the cross does for us that enables us to deal with what it means to love someone when they hurt us. There's, there's an incredible truth that I've been, I know that as I've been preparing, that this truth for, for many, I know people in the world don't understand it, but even in the church today, I know that for many of you, this is, this is something that's going to be a revelation to you. It is an incredible truth that we find specifically through the cross. And it's found in Colossians chapter 1, from verses 1 to verse 4. Allow me to read the verses to you. It says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What is the thing that I have never known, Lord? Thinking through that in that specific passage. Here's the statement, friends. The cross of Jesus is the door to a secret place that all of creation cannot comprehend. I want us to focus on verse 3. And it reads like this. For you died, and I've made it in bold, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. As we face our enemies, those who have shamed us, those who continue to shame us, those who have taken advantage of us, those that have abused us, continually hurt us, Jesus is saying to each one of us here, you are hidden in me. When Jesus died, he did not die for himself. He died for us as our representative. Taking our guilt and our condemnation on himself. When he was raised, we were raised. We passed through death into a realm that the senses cannot comprehend, that living creatures cannot comprehend. Hear those words that are written there. We are in Christ and in God, and nothing can reach us that doesn't come through God. Let me try and say it in a different way. We are here in the flesh, but our lives are not in this visible world. What are you saying, Ken? We are being through many things, many hurtful things, many real things, many, many hard things while we are on this earth. But actually, we have a life that is eternal, untouchable, incorruptible, indestructible, try to use as many in there as possible, totally secure. No matter what comes, what we have been through in Christ, you are in a secret place, protected from all harm and danger. When I heard those people testify of this in Pakistan, the Holy Spirit just said, my son, they understand that. They understand that. They've got nothing, 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 nothing. But they can testify that nothing's going to change what they have in Christ. They don't even know where they're going to get food for those little children. But there's something different that they have. And, and this is so incredible to me. That we as, a, as, as children of God, wow, we don't, I don't, I think it's just so heavy, the things I'm dealing with. But I needed to take time again to just own this truth for me again. In the midst of the stuff that I'm sharing and the stuff that I'm going through. If you look at that verse again, verse 3. Something each of us should know today, right now. 
I've highlighted in bold and I've underlined it. It's the first three words of that sentence that Paul's right. He says, for you, that's you and me, are dead. We're actually dead to this. But here's the reality, friends. And this is why I know when I think of the things that we go through and what we've gone through, even to share this message, I know this is why the battle is so worth it. The evil one would want you to ignore this fact. The evil one would want you to be, continue to live in this sense of just not having the perspective of who you are in Christ through what Jesus has done for you on that cross. He is the deceiver. But if you grasp this truth, then Matthew 5 is completely different. Matthew 5, God tells us and calls us to be perfect like the Father is perfect. This is an incredible truth for all of us to share and to hold on to. And I really want to urge you, take the time this week as you, as you take one Colossians chapter 1 um, from verses... Um, what did I say, three to, uh, one to four, and just do what I did. I just spent time letting the Lord just minister to it to me. Spent time as I think of friends and, and, and people that I know are just right in that moment, hurting bad because they're continually getting hurt. Spend time and reflect on that word and say, Lord, how can I make that possible in my life when I'm facing this Again and again and again. This is the truth, and I've just um, I've written it out just one more time. Let me say this once again. No matter what comes, what you have been through, how much you're being, being hurt currently, in Christ you are in a secret place of the Most High. Your real life is protected from all harm and all danger. I was so longing to share this, this truth with you. Because I know God is doing something right now. And we'll be doing that continually as we share this word in, in, amongst one another in this, in this, in this service. But I was, I was longing to share this. So with this as a foundation, what I thought I'd like to do now is I really want us to spend the rest of the time looking at the cross and seeing how through Jesus showing us on the cross, there's, I've just taken three, there's many more, but I've taken three specific things where I want to show you how Jesus shows us how we can love those who hurt us. Um, the first one that I've, what, we, what we're going to look at is, it's only as you see Jesus, how he forgave us on the cross, that we can forgive those, our enemies. And the second one I'm going to look at is, it's only as we see how he did not back away from the shame on the cross, that we can have the courage to handle the shame. And thirdly, it is only when we see how Jesus loved us practically that we can love our enemies. Are you ready for this? I need a sip. Let's look at forgiveness. When we, when we look at forgiveness and we look at what makes forgiveness so special and so beautiful, one needs to focus on the fact that what happens and what, the, what, what results from when we, have, when we do forgive. And I wrote some of these things down, and it's really the truth. We all know this. What flows from forgiveness is reconciliation, peace. 
There's harmony. There's understanding. There's fellowship. I just had to think of the opposite side to know that we all know that forgiveness is a better path. Because unforgiveness results in bitterness. It results in frustration, disharmony, hatred. All of us here know that if only we could forgive, things are just so much better than, than living in that unforgiveness. The cross shows us what forgiveness really is. And the cross, you might have heard this before, and maybe this has been shared in the Sunday school, but man, I hold on to this. That the cross really demonstrates forgiveness in two different dimensions. You've got forgiveness in the vertical, and you've got forgiveness in the horizontal. Just let me briefly just explain that to you. And whenever you see a cross or look at a cross again, man, just say it in your heart, because this is the truth. Forgiveness in the, in the, in the, in the vertical um, is just really wonderful. It's forgiveness where we, forget, we get forgiveness from God. And I've got just two or three beautiful scriptures that I'd like to share around that. Um, it's just this. I've said that through the shedding of the blood of Jesus, we accept and embrace that amazing gift of redemption. Wonderful verses where Paul writes about this, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Allow this word to seep into your hearts again. This is what we receive as we own the forgiveness we have through, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, in Him we have redemption through His blood for the forgiveness of our sins according to His riches of God's grace that He has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. I love that word lavished because that means that it's not just a little, he just lavishes us with this beautiful reality of redemption as we come to him and seek that forgiveness and own that forgiveness. How do we do it? Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8, it is just this. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, it is a gift from God. So how do we get this, friends? It's through faith. If that word is foreign to you, it's by accepting, it's by accepting, it's by accepting this wonderful gift of redemption. That's all it is. It's absolutely incredible. And he lavishes on us. This is what happens when we come and we ask the Lord, just, I just did it again. I just need to own that forgiveness that is in you. But it is just really a good thing. The horizontal on the other end is something that we do where we forgive others we need to receive that forgiveness from others as well. It's a horizontal part of forgiveness. It's what we're doing between one another. It's as we forgive others. You know the passage from, from the Lord's Prayer? And I learned it a little older now, but when I say it, it is from, it's from Mark, it's from Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, where forgive us for our, in my whole heart, it's, it's the King James, for our trespasses, as we forgive them that have trespassed against us. It says, and forgive us for our debts as we also have forgiven our, our, our debtors. 
Friends, there's so wonderful truth here that I'd love to just, um, just let you all know. The, word, the words that the Lord uses about the, that forgiving our debts, it's not as if every time you have to come with a sense that, oh, I'm, I'm now, haven't forgiven, I haven't asked for forgiveness, so there's all these, these sins that, are, that I'm not, are, are not covered. There's a reality that we know and we should hold on to, that we are justified. We're justified means it's just as if you've never sinned because of what the Lord has done on the cross. I hold on to Romans chapter 5, verse 1, where it says, Therefore, having been justified, it's in the past tense, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are justified. And I've written it like this, and I've said, I just want to just read it so I don't mess this up. Because you were justified, you have a peace with God. If there's no peace, it is a difficult place to be. That you have to second-guess yourself every time. Friends, you are justified through the blood of Jesus. And because we are justified, because we have experienced this grace and this complete forgiveness, we are able to extend that grace and forgiveness to our fellow human being. That forgiveness, that forgiveness of forgive them for their trespasses, what they've done to us. It is truly something that we can do because of the experiencing of God's grace. If people wrong us, they don't have to come crawling to us and ask for forgiveness. We must forgive them and forget it. Ken, you must forgive them and forget it. But Lord, he's done it again. Look what I did for you on that cross. You are justified, Ken. He does not hold those wrongs against me. And it's because of that that we can hold on to the forgiveness that we can give lavishly. It is such a beautiful thing, forgiveness. And there's one other thought that I just want to throw in there. Maybe it's because I'm an engineer. But this horizontal plank, it needs this vertical plank to make it across. So if this horizontal forgiveness was not held up by the vertical forgiveness, it's going to be a plank on the ground and only a plank. And for me, man, I've tried that. Try and do forgiveness without God. Man, it's hard. And that's the truth for me. Jesus shows each of us. You want to love that person who's hurting you? Let's learn how to forgive. See how I've justified you. It is a beautiful thing. The second one is we're going to look at is shame. How Jesus shows us how to deal with shame. The verse I've used is from Hebrews chapter, two, uh, chapter 12, verse 2. I want to read the word. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despise the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, shame is a cruel emotion. It's ugly. It's crippled many, many, many of us for long, long seasons. 
whatever it's been, emotional, physical. Some of us are living in that shame right now. Listen to the prophetic utterances of Isaiah when he prophesies this over Jesus. It's found in Isaiah chapter 50, verses, six and, uh, verses 5 and 6. He says this so profoundly. He says, The Lord has opened my ear, and I, he's referring to Jesus, will not, was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheek to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from the shame and the spitting. If we understand the shame that Jesus bore, I know that many of us here and many of those online will be able to deal with the shame when it's right there in front of you. I'm going to just, I haven't put the scriptures on, but I'm going to just show you from God's word as we reflect on what happened to Jesus when Pontius Pilate washes his hands and lets him, sends him to be executed on a cross. He sent us on the cross. The word says, this is in Matthew chapter 27, before he says, and I, he says that I, we ha, I, Pontius had Jesus scrouged and then uh, crucified. So in the context of what I'm about to share, you've got to know this. That first of all, Jesus was scrouded. That means he was put on a pole and his back was ripped open as the specific whip that has got pieces of bone in it. Just was aimed at ripping your complete back from all skin. It's not just one or two lines. The sides of his back, the whole of his back was completely ripped open. He then was sent before the following, and this is what specifically is, is said in, in, in Matthew chapter 27, bomb verse 20, 27. It says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison, 1,000 men, around him. And they stripped him, shame, and put a scarlet robe around him. When they had twisted a crown on thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him. Then they took the reed out of his hand and struck him on his head. Remember, for every time he got hit with that reed, those thorns just ate into his head. And they mocked him. And they took the robe off him and put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. Then they crucified him and divided up his garments, cast lots, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken in the prof, in the, by the prophets, that they divided my garments among them. For my clothes they cast lots, Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Friends, Jesus was exposed naked twice in this passage. When we see pictures of Jesus, we see this picture of him on the cross with a little loincloth on. Crucifixion, people didn't get crucified like that. His shame was exposed there. Hebrews 12 says that he despised the shame. When my mind thinks of the shame that Jesus bore for each of us, it gives me a heart to realize I can deal with this. Because my Lord 
I had a thousand men just say all different stuff to him. And people walked past while he was trying to breathe, mocked him and shamed him naked. Um, this gives us courage, real courage. When you're faced with that shame again in, 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 in your own personal situation, I know that it's, it's tough, but I've just said this, that knowing this shame, it, it will help us to just think about the shame when you, when you, when you get hurt. And people just know exactly what is shame to... And when you think back on the things that you feel shamed about, just put it into the context of what Jesus has done and the shame that he's experienced. Jesus shows us that he loves us so much that he even shows us how he deals with the shame. And it's absolutely incredible. And then finally, we're going to look at how does Jesus show us practically how he loves us on that cross? I mean, there's a lot of things, and you know, he died for us so that he loved us because he died for us. But I thought I'd just use three things. And the first one is that he, he humbled himself. And I kind of wanted to flip it so that, because Jesus is, the, is pure humble. He is the, the, you speak about humble, that is our God. Um, Philippians 2 Verse 6, let me read the verse and then I'll just put it into context. Um, Who having been the very nature of God, I'm not sure if I got it there. Um, let me just read it. I think that's, uh, I think it's not Philippians 2 verse 6, but I know what the verse is, so just <laughs> excuse me for that. Who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So sorry. I had the wrong verse there. Um, so it's not Philippians 2 verse 6. If there's someone that knows it, please shout it out because I'd, I'd love us to know. What, which verse is it? Okay, so we just had the wrong verse there. Sorry, Renas. Um, but just let me just go back to the verse. Who being a very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. How do I explain how he humbled himself? I need to flip it around in my own life. I've got to address the pride that creeps up so quickly when I'm hurt. There's a pride that just is there when I feel that I'm better than that guy that's just done that or that person that's, that keeps on doing that. And, and me personally, to address that pride, I cannot just do it naturally. I usually find myself first coming out with all guns blazing, but I need to find a space and I need, to, I need to know this, and I try to do this. Sometimes I need my wife to help me to do this. But I need to kind of draw aside and just say, Lord, just let me just reflect vertical of my own. What am I thinking and what am I feeling about why do I feel I'm better than this person? And the more I like allow myself in that moment, then the Holy Spirit starts showing me things again, and I'm just saying, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me for that. Lord, I, just don't, I want to repent from that. I, want to, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to think like that about myself. That's, that's that vertical repentance. And then I'm able to do the following. I'm, I'm really in that space as I minimize my pride in, a, in a, some kind of way. It allows me to identify with my enemies, with those people that are hurting me. 
And in that way, I'm in a way able to humble myself and express grace because I start realizing, man, I'm absolutely broken as well. And it's because of what I see that Christ has done for me as he humbled himself and he did not take advantage of all he was incarnate. The second one is Jesus cares about the hearts of his people. And I thought, how do I bring that across? Well, I just love this verse, and you'll know it as well. It's found in Ezekiel, and it's from verse, it's chapter 36, verses 26. And this is the heart of our Lord for each of us. He says this, I will give you a new heart, and I'll put in a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Every example that you see Jesus in the Gospels, you can see his heart for those that are absolutely broken. Sorry, that was me. Um, you can see his heart for those as he engages with them, as he shares life with them, as he starts experiencing their hearts. And then on the cross, he says, Lord, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. His heart is for those of us. And he tells us that in his dying moments, and so the question is, how do we practically do that? Now, the only way I can do that, because it's very difficult to have a heart for someone when they are absolutely hurting you big time. And we did this, and I saw it again on Tuesday night in the prayer time. As we pray for those people, friends, this is God. As you start praying for them, God starts doing something to your own heart. And the next thing we sense the vulnerability that they actually have. You start sensing God showing you, besides all the ugliness, He starts showing you how much He loves them. He starts showing you things of their heart. And you find yourself slowly praying for them in a way that just, it's not the normal thing that people will do. And that is what the Lord does for us when we come to Him in prayer and we start praying for our enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. It's the command he gives us. And this is the result of what happens. You start getting a heart for him. I know that sounds pretty radical, but we as a church on Tuesday night experienced that. And I look at some of the people that were there. We were moved as we realized what God is doing. But we prayed. It just cannot be done on our own strength. And God shows us that as he cares for us, even on the cross. And then finally, Jesus kept close to the Father. And um, it kind of adds a bit of the last one, but it is just this beautiful fact. If you look at the Gospels, you see Jesus just making time to find oneness and unity. I'm just, just making time for the Father. Sitting, and just many places in the Bible, um, Jesus just retreating to pray with the Father. Jesus and the Father are one. And, in, and in, in my case, we need to do this, folks. If you want to be able to love somebody, um, I've, I've, I've written it like this, and I thought this was a pretty cool statement. Loving our enemies begins with the transformation of our hearts before it ever seeps into our actions. It really is that, that as we draw closer to the Lord and we make time with Him, yes, it's, it's mostly with me praying, but then as I read God's Word, and you've heard me preach of this in, in other times, that as I make time 
to allow God to just be with him. He knows all the things that we're facing. God's his word, mostly in, in my case, it's, it's his word. Then when we're in that situation, I find myself thinking of Colossians 1 verse 3. Why do I find myself thinking of that? Because I spent time with God's word, and that word is no longer a word. It's a reality that, that just bubbles up inside me. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, okay, I'm actually dead to this. It's sore. I know it's going to hurt. I know I'm going to be shamed. But this is the truth for me. And that requires each of us to set ourselves apart and come before the Father. Allow his word to speak to us. It is life, friends. And then this happens, and I want to repeat it again. Loving our MS begins with the transformation of our own hearts before we ever seep into the hearts and into an action that changes. I know that as I've shared this, there's people that all of us know are hurting us right now. And I know that the Lord has been speaking to us to say, you can love them. I want you to go the extra mile. I want you to turn the cheek next time. It's not easy. But through this cross, it's possible. And it's, and it's real. Let me read that verse again. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Your life is eternal. It's completely indestructible, incorruptible. No matter what comes or whatever you've been through, Christ is saying, I've got you in that secret place. Don't let go. Be different. He's saying to you and me, because of that, because of what I've done for you on the cross, we can make that proclaim that Jesus says in first chapter 5, verse 48, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Because we know that, humanly speaking, that's absolutely impossible. But Christ gave us the possibility through his death, resurrection on that cross. And for that, we can handle the shame. We can humble ourselves. And the truth that we have, friends, and this is the truth that we can hold on to, we have a witness of people and generations that have gone before us that have done exactly what we've said, that the Lord has said them to do. And they've changed the hearts of their enemies. They've impacted generations because they saw Jesus in the way that the Christians responded to all that they were doing to them. We have testimonies upon testimonies, generations. Many of us that sit here today is because many people who were persecuted beyond what we can imagine, they were first one of those that were, be, that were persecuting. And generations later, we are sitting here and worshiping our Lord. And that's why I want to encourage each of us today that you are able to love those when it hurts you and hurts you bad.